Well, good morning, y'all. It's been a while. Scott was guilting me, telling me I need to pull my weight, so here I am. Um, we are in the middle of a series, walking through the uh, Old Testament book of uh, Jonah, and today we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. But before we get there, what I want to do is just quickly summarize how we've ended up in this place where we're at today. And so if I were to summarize Jonah chapter 1, it's all about Jonah running away from God, right? Because God asked Jonah to do something he didn't want to do. He said, you got to go to a place called Nineveh. I want you to speak to the Ninevites. I want you to preach to them about the fact that they're living their lives against God I want you to tell them to repent or I'm going to come in and I'm going to destroy their city. Sounds like a reasonable job for a prophet of God, right? Except for the fact that the Ninevites were the arch enemies of Jonah's people. And going to Nineveh would be like him going into the heart of enemy territory. Just to put this in perspective, it would be exactly like if God asked me and said, Darren, I want you to go into the streets of Baghdad. And I want you to preach the gospel. And I would look at God and I would say, God, you are out of your mind. There is no way I'm going to go there. You know what Jonah said? God, you are out of your mind. There is no way I'm going to go there. Isn't it always nice when we find people in the Bible that make us feel better about our own faith? So Jonah acted as many of us would when we don't want to do what God is telling us to do. Jonah ran. And somehow in his head, in his little fantasy world, he really believed that he could outrun the creator of the universe. Uh, I think sometimes we think the same thing, don't we? We start living our lives as if God doesn't even exist. And if we move real stealth-like, that he might not even be able to see what we're really up to. And so God says, go. Jonah says, no. God says, go east, and Jonah says, I'm going west. So in God's geography, we're either going toward Nineveh, the way that God asks us to go, or we're going toward Tarshish, which is away from God. And we can't straddle the fence, right? We're either going one direction or the other, and Jonah picked Tarshish. Whatever it is for you, I will tell you this one thing for sure. Whenever I have tried to run from God, it did not go well for me. Whenever I have said, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to do what Darren wants me to do, I always crash and burn. It's inevitable. I always go into this downward spiral when I try to get away from God. Well, as you may remember, the downward spiral in Jonah's case was that he was swallowed by a really large fish that we believe to be a whale. And there he is, sitting in the belly of a whale. And Jonah has, in this moment, finally hit bottom. Right? He finally understands, I can't outrun God. I can't hide from God. And he knows in his heart he's Wrong, And so, if I were to summarize Jonah chapter 2, it is basically this prayer that Jonah prays in desperation in the belly of this whale, trying to get himself out of a really sticky situation. 
It is a prayer of repentance where Jonah prays this really beautiful prayer telling God how sorry he was. And it says that he's begging God for mercy and it says that God has compassion on him when he hears his prayer. And when he does, boom. The Lord commanded the fish to spit Jonah out onto dry land. And so now as we move into Jonah chapter 3, we have the image of a man who has been washed up and bottomed out. This is a man who has been beat down and in need of a little grace. All right, so as we um, enter chapter 3, we have this image of Jonah having just been basically vomited out by this fish onto a beach, I'm going to say, and he's got seaweed all wrapped around his head, he smells, he's laying there trying to catch his breath, and as he is laying there on this beach, God comes to him and says, now Jonah, do I have your full attention? And in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he says, get up and go to Nineveh. Now, here is the most important thing that we can take away from this chapter 3. That's this. God never, ever gives up on us. It may be no fun getting to the place where we can finally hear the voice of God. It may be no fun getting to the place when we actually are obedient to God, but just know that we serve a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth. And so the Lord said for the second time, go. And what do you think Jonah did this time? This time, it says in verse 3, Jonah obeyed God and went to Nineveh. Yeah, you better believe he did what God asked him to do. The other thing we learn from Jonah is that in our times of brokenness, we get broken down to the point we are now submissive. We are now willing to be obedient to God, and Jonah repents. right? And the word repent doesn't just mean to pray a prayer where you apologize to God, where you're sorry, where you ask for forgiveness, although that's a big part of it, where there's a change of heart. It also requires that there is a change in action. Repentance means that we do a 180. And so as Jonah turns from heading to Tarshish to Nineveh, we too in our lives, we turn away from living a life that we know against goes against God's will. And in repentance, we turn toward God and begin living the way that God asks us to live. Not the way that we've made up in our head, by the way, but truly to live the way in obedience to what God asks us to do as we step on that narrow dirt path now that leads to Jesus. God gave him a second chance. And so here's what Jonah did with his second chance. He walked through what God asked him to walk through. He walked straight through the gates of Nineveh and he begins to preach. It's unfortunate that it usually takes some 
bottoming out experience for us to finally get it and to finally do what God asks us to do, right? I mean, somehow in the midst of our brokenness, though, man, we get it. (laughs) We understand it. I mean, when you're sitting there in the middle of a tough time and you're crying out to God for help, you got seaweed wrapped up all around your head, all of a sudden, somehow, we find the faith to believe. We find the faith to move forward in the way that God asks us to do because we know that even in the hard times that God is right here with us. Even in the hard times, we know that God will pull us through. And even in the hard times, we know that God will never, ever give up on us. And so now as Jonah walks into Nineveh and he begins to preach, something crazy happens, as if being swallowed by a fish isn't crazy enough for one story. The Bible says that when Jonah begins to preach, these people get it. They repent. And they turn to God. I mean, these people who have lived for years, the evil people, are now giving their lives over to God. In verses 5-9, through the people of Nineveh, including the king himself, listened, repented, and gave their lives to God. Can you imagine? It was something like 120,000 people. It was like some massive revival of people giving their lives to God. These people have lived so long against God, all of a sudden, they give their lives to God. It was a miracle. Verse 10 says, And when God saw that they had repented of their evil ways and committed to follow him, he had compassion on them, and he saved them. God has compassion on the entire city of Nineveh, and they become saved. Hmm. Now, you would think that Jonah, being a prophet of God, would be super happy. Right? I mean, he is a guy who has just experienced the forgiveness of God himself. This is a guy who was in the belly of the fish begging God for mercy and forgiveness, and he was given a second chance. Instead of dying in some fish's belly, God saves him, and you would think that when he goes out and he preaches to the entire city and the entire city turns to God, you would think that Jonah goes, Yay, God! This is awesome! Fist bump to the Creator, right? This is like so cool. But instead, that doesn't happen. Jonah's humanness begins to shine right through. And so I'm going to reach over into chapter 4, verse 1, and borrow a verse from Lance's passage next week. And just so you can understand what I'm saying here, because here's what happens in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, but Jonah... To Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. Jonah is not happy. In fact, he is downright ticked off. Somehow, so quickly, he fell back into his narrow little perspective and Jonah 
forgot. He forgot where he just came from. The bottom line is that Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to be saved because he didn't think the Ninevites deserved God's forgiveness. And it wasn't right that God should have compassion on such bad people. He thought they weren't deserving of God's grace. And he was mad. Hmm. You know, we do that same comparative morality thing too, don't we? We think to ourselves, well, I may have screwed up, but I'm not as bad as he is. I'm not as bad as she is. I'm basically a good person, so I should be forgiven, but that person, that person is, that person's a Democrat. They don't deserve to be forgiven. They're too liberal. But that person is a Republican. How can God forgive these people when they're busy screwing up our country? Or that person, that person's gay. Or those people, those people are Muslim. Or worse yet, those people are Baptists. (laughs) Or those people, those people are illegal immigrants, or those people, those people are divorced, or that person, did you hear that person had an affair, or that person is an alcoholic, those people. Whatever it is for you that makes you feel all self-righteous, we all get on our little soapboxes, me included, And we think to ourselves and we think better of ourselves than we really are. And we believe that we're right and they're wrong and we are justified in our judgment of others because we have this righteous judgment. And while I deserve God's grace, they sure as heck don't. Well, here's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ready for this? God's grace ain't fair. Because the truth is, you don't deserve God's grace. You don't deserve God's grace any more than those people do. You're not any better than the beggar who's laying at the border trying to get into our country. You're not any better than the beggar who is laying in the streets of homelessness trying to get their next meal. Because the truth is, We're all in the same bucket. At the end of the day, when it all gets boiled down to the last moment, we are all beggars knocking on the door of God's mercy, asking for his grace. And because it ain't fair, he gives it. He gives us that grace. Even though we haven't earned it, even though I haven't deserved it, the unconditional love of God is like unleashed upon all of us and it changes everything. It changes the way that we see everyone. 
and the way that we decide to live our life. And the best thing that we can do in response to receiving that love is to lay down our right to be right. And to do, as Micah says, to walk humbly with our God. And to humbly accept the fact that, you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't have a monopoly on the truth. And consider the possibility that when other people look different than me, or act different than me, or think different than me, have enough humility to believe that it's not your place to judge, but to instead love. As God has shown compassion to me, now I show compassion to everyone else, even those people who I've looked down upon for whatever reason. And so Jonah, Jonah forgot. He forgot that just days earlier, he was in the belly of the whale begging for forgiveness, begging for compassion because of his disobedience to asking God to save him and that God gave him a second chance. He forgot. Yet just days later, he's now sitting in judgment of others who find themselves in the exact same situation, who are begging, who are repentant for God's mercy. But because he looked down on them, he did not believe that they deserved God's grace. And he was mad. He had a righteous anger. He was justified. Because those are bad people. We have a very short memory, don't we? We have somehow forgotten what God has brought us through and what God has done for all of us. That we're all in the same boat. We somehow get on the other side of it and we think we're all that. And we look back and we go, how could those people do that even though we went through the exact same thing? And we judge. When moments before, we were just in the thick of it. I unfortunately can totally identify with Jonah because I have been there on the bottom and I have begged for forgiveness. I have sat there in the belly of darkness with seaweed all wrapped around my head and God was there for me. And he pulled me through a very, very dark time and he was faithful to me and I have to tell you, I am so grateful. I am grateful that the grace of God ain't fair that he could love one such as me, a messed up sinner. And yet, there are times, stupid moments, when I go through things that are meaningless in the scheme of things, and I get all bitter and judgy and whiny because I so easily forget. You want to know the secret to life? Having a great life? I'm telling you, I have the secret to you living a great life. You wake up every day grateful for the grace 
and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. That while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. You wake up every day grateful for the unconditional love of God. It changes the way that you live your life. And may we never, ever forget that. Our mission as a church here at Westridge is to help people to never forget that. To just remember that we are a church that displays the grace of God, that we are a place that brings light into a very, very dark place so that this is a church of second chances and third and fourth. And we don't forget where we've come from. So that this becomes a place for people who are lost and people who are hurting and people who need Jesus, no matter who they are, no matter if they're part of those people, that they can have a safe place, just like anybody else, to encounter the radical love of God without judgment and to experience a little piece of heaven right here on earth. That's the church. And so make no mistake about it. When you get there, and now I'm talking about heaven, and you start walking down the streets of gold and you're kind of skipping around, don't be surprised when the first person you bump into isn't somebody who was a dirty thief on this earth. Or a former prostitute. Don't be surprised as you're walking down the streets of gold that you run into those Democrats or Republicans. Because on the streets of gold, you'll find that all are welcome. And that our God doesn't discriminate. That all are welcome. And all are given a second chance. But I tell you that when I hit those streets of gold, I'm going to be the most grateful that God's grace ain't fair. That even a guy like me who lived a messed up life could end up on those streets. And I promise you this, I will walk every day grateful for the rest of eternity.